Alright you guys, welcome back to another episode of Little Man Big Conversations. Hey, you're tuning in to now what is the part two? The conversation with the loose ledge Adam Brooks. Hey, if you haven't done so already, please go back and check part one. Of course, why else would you be here? You already listened to part one. But if you haven't already, do yourself a favor and listen to part one, because hey, this is part two. I want to take this time right now to thank all you loyal LNBC podcast listeners for tuning in each and every week. I really appreciate everything you guys do for this podcast, and I'm working on season two as we speak. So, I'll get out of the way, and I'll let you get on to listening to part two with Adam Brooks. That was <laughs> that was our attitude, you know, like, yep. let's make our stuff the best. Yep. Um, and I think we accomplished that, you know, like, and, and majority of the guys who have held that belt since... I want to say majority except one of them have represented that belt really, really well. I think the champ at the time was Elliot Sexton. Well, yeah. So, you know, there you go. Completely different styles. Yeah. Um, and I think I may have, you know, I may have, I probably had an issue with him at the time as well. <laughs> okay. But, but like, we're super cool now. He's a good dude. And uh, we chatted and stuff, but. I think it was just, you know, me and Dowie, we were just like, let's, let's, let, you know, because me and Dowie grew up liking the same style of wrestling, you know, like yeah. those smaller cruiserweight dudes, mm-hmm. you know, so we just wanted to go out there and sort of do that and be, be, be that focal point of the show, you know? Right. So at this point, you're back home, but you have an opportunity coming up that, at this point, is one of the biggest challenges that you have to this day. You've gone overseas, you've gone international, you've gone interstate, but you're at home and you got to defend your championship now against the likes of not only one of Australia's great Robbie Eagles, but you got to fight against international superstar Will Ospreay. Now, without making this all about the match, tell me what was it like being told, hey man, we got this guy coming over and we're going to pitch him with you and Robbie. Did you feel the pressure with that? Were you like, man, this is intense. Or were you, were you like feeling the same way they did when Matt took that, that trip overseas, that, that final flight? Were you thinking, man, I got that fire burning underneath me. Hell yeah. I'm ready for this. (laughs) Um, no, not really. (laughs) Okay. I was, so I was in like a really bad point in my life right? during okay. that whole Osprey stuff. Okay. So when they told me, I was just like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. That guy's, you know, he's pretty awesome. Like, whatever, yep. Yep. you know. And as bad as that is to say, but it was just the, the, the place that I was at mentally in my life, I just, I didn't care. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah of course. Cool, whatever. It ain't a dig on him and his career. It was just where you were at at that time. Well, I mean – he, he, I think his career was really starting to just get going. Like, I think he just may have debuted with New Japan around that time. Right. Okay. But, but what uh, I'm saying is, like, you couldn't appreciate the fact that this was happening because of where you were at in your life. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was you happening know, for you? To say. What was happening for you at this time that made you go, man, I, I'm not in the zone? Just, just stuff outside the ring, just, just, just personal stuff. Um, 
yeah, just, just, just personal stuff. And I was just low and I didn't want to wrestle. And I was, I was like, I've told this story before, but I was like 90% going to quit wrestling that month. So that was August, 2017. Like they told me, yeah, you're going to wrestle Will, then this is going to happen. Then later on in the month, you know, this is going to happen and you're going to wrestle Will and, and, you know, and Robbie in a three-way, you know, and this is going to happen. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool, whatever. And right. I was I was going to just say to them, oh, just put the belts on Robbie, you know, do whatever. And I was just going to just walk away because I was just so just in the worst place. But uh, me and Will wrestled and it was pretty good from what people say, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Um, and we did really good and the crowd really appreciated it. And then, uh, I got backstage and I just bawled my eyes out and he comes backstage and he starts freaking out. Cause he thought that he'd hurt me. He's like, Oh right. my God, you okay. You okay. I said, dude, I- I'm fine. But you know, uh, I'm, I'm wrapping this shit up at the end of the month. Like I'm so over it. He goes, and then he, go, and he you know, he, he grabbed me. And he said, you're not going anywhere. I'm going to help you become a fucking star. You don't realize how good you are. And then I just like bawled my eyes out even more. And then uh, the booker who I was, you know, respected each other immensely. uh, He's like, are you cool? And then I broke down to him and he just hugged me. He's like, oh, what the fuck? Because Mm. he he didn't know what was up. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I was still a little bit fried, uh, you know, but I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll keep pushing through, you know? Sure, yeah. It's one of those things with wrestling where it's like that old saying, the show must go on. And even though you may be in a dark place in your personal life, there is something in the back of your mind that's like, man, when I go out there, when I go through that curtain, I don't need to worry about anything. It's sort of like a release and it's an escape and it's a pause button on whatever you're going through. Because I had a similar situation, probably not to the same extent that you did, and it probably wasn't as intense as what you were facing at that time. But I had a similar situation happen to me in October 2017. My health was in the absolute toilet. I did not know if I was going to come back from it. I was fighting some personal demons and my health was also not being kind to me at that time. I was getting a two-on-one handicap from invisible forces that I could not physically fight back from. So I did a match at that time and I had a similar reaction that you did. I went backstage. I felt like I really put it out there. But man, I, as soon as I got backstage, I sat down, took my knee pads off, stared at that concrete floor, and I just bawled my eyes out. And similar thing, my opponent came up to me and he was like, man, what's going on? Are you okay? Are you hurt? And I said, no, nah, man, I just, I just really appreciated that. So I, but I, but I knew that at that point for me, I didn't know whether I wanted to A, continue or B, if I even could continue, like even if I was good and even if I was healthy and even if I was, you know, if they came back and said, you're good, pal, go on that ring and give it to what for. I didn't know if in my mind, man, I ain't looking too good in front of this live crowd right now because they can tell something's wrong. And I have the absolute integrity built inside me to go, hey, I know when I'm not good and I don't like people paying money to see me knowing I'm on the card, knowing I'm on the bill. And if I'm heading into that show and yeah, three out of those four weeks, I'm feeling good, but come show week 
and I'm getting hit with all this news, man, I feel guilty AF. So I knew heading into that match that they that may very well have been at that time my last one. I didn't do the retirement angle. I didn't do the hang up the boots segment. But I was I was honest with that crowd. I got in trouble for it too. I got riled up backstage. You didn't have permission to do that promo. What the hell do you think you're doing? And I said, man, i got to be honest with these people. I've been honest with these people at that point for 10 years. It was a decade. No one thought 10 years ago that I'd even last a week. Hell, probably some to this day don't think I should be out there. But what was important was the people in that attendance had paid money to see this match. I wanted to be real with them. I broke kayfabe. I told them I was fighting demons. Told them I didn't know how long I'd be back for. But I had to do it. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, I did. I did the following month. We built it into an angle where if I lost, I'd be done. We swerved them. I ended up winning that match, but I decided it would still be best, even though I had won, that I take the time away. My career remained intact. We got them, got them with the story, but I took that time away. I took. I was gonna say I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna take about four months off. Do the health. Thing, jump through the hoops, tick the boxes, run the test, do everything I need to do to make sure that I could at least be healthy enough within myself. And if I felt good, then I'd maybe have a heart to heart with that ring. But at that time, I wasn't too sure. So I decided, man, I got to take at least four to six months off. It was nine months. I took nine months off and I came back and I really look back on that time now and go, man, I'm very happy that I did that, that I was honest with that crowd, number one, because every time, much like yourself, every time I've gone out there, man, I've committed just like that first bump, that Triple H knee bump. I've committed to telling stories to that crowd. I've committed to being honest with them. If I'm angry in that ring, I'm angry. If I'm happy, I'm happy. If I'm sad, shit, son, I'm sad. But I've committed to being honest to them. So when I gave that speech to them, it came from the heart. I didn't give a crap that I got in trouble. What were they going to do? Fire me? I was one of their biggest draws at that time in terms of being a babyface. But the thing that I remember most is that I committed not only to them, but I committed to myself to taking that time off. For you, knowing full well that you're in a dark place right now, you're not feeling it. The loose ledge is having trouble. He's feeling a bit loose in the mind, not feeling 110%. You've got Will Ospreay there. You've got the booker there. You've got people that are caring and looking out for you. Were you in a place where you could say, hey, I need to cool the jets here? Or were you, did you push through it and you just kept firing at all cylinders? I, I pushed through it because um, I didn't want to let anyone down because I knew yeah. the direction they were going. So I just yeah. tried to push through. Yeah. But then it got to the point where I was like, you know what? Uh, I think I need to go away for a while. And that was... So so I went so I went to England for nine okay. months. Right. Okay. So I still kept wrestling over there, but I was like, you know, I need to get away from Australia for a bit. Yeah. Uh, I I look back on it. It's like I don't think I should have left, but it was like I was just running from things. Okay. That's why I went. Like I didn't I didn't really want to go to England, but I thought. Maybe I need to do this. Yeah. But I didn't want to, you know. I just yeah. started I just started doing like PWG and stuff. But I don't know. I was like, I need to go over there because I don't know. 
just so I, I I contacted Will and he was like, yeah, come you know come live with me. So like he was super awesome and cool with you know him him and his family letting me stay at their place. Like his family, wow. are okay. they are they are, yeah. they are lovely lovely people, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I just I didn't want to be there, so uh. I, I, you know, I, I don't go back and watch a lot of my stuff from England because I was still fried. I was just, I was probably worse in England because I didn't have family or friends or anything. I was kind of on my own a little bit. Yeah. You know, so whenever I see certain comments, you know, on Twitter and stuff about how like people will be like, oh yeah, Brooksy's work in England wasn't very good. You know, I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 100%, <laughs> dude, I suck. You know, but you uh, did it. The main thing is that you 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 took that drive and you did it, knowing that you're yeah. in that state of mind. Could you fully comprehend the fact that, like, could you really, even though you made that decision, no one put a gun to your head hypothetically and said, "Man, you're going to England for, for however long it was." Was it eight months, nine months? I think it was about eight, nine. Yeah. So you were over there for nine months. No one was putting a gun to your head. No one from MCW said, "Dude, get the hell out of this country." You went and did that on your own accord. Did you really factor in or were you able to appreciate the fact that, hell, man, I'm having another chapter of my life, my wrestling life, and your personal life start here in the UK? Could you fully appreciate and understand that at that point? Or were was the darkness and the clouds just sort of putting a damper on everything to the point where it was just feeling like, hell, yeah, man, I'm in the UK, but you're still sort of running off autopilot. Is that what it was like for you at that point? hundred percent, hundred percent autopilot, dude. Mm. Yeah. Like I look back on it now and it's like, man, like I barely remember some of the stuff. Right. Cause I was just so fried. I was just so autopilot. Yeah. You know, but you, you, so. you're the, you're the professional and you, you still went out there and gave it the best you could considering where you're at in your personal life back then. Do you remember when that red light came on and when that music hit, and that curtain, they said, all right, go. Did you feel like when you stepped through that curtain that you were able to pause reality just then? Were you able to pause your real life and be able to focus and create some stories out there? Or was or was those clouds following you to and back from that ring? Nah, uh, it was still following me out there. Because wow. if, if yeah. it wasn't, my performances would have been fine. But okay. it completely hindered everything that I was doing. I wow. wasn't excited. Uh, I wasn't motivated. Yep. Like I, uh, I, 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 uh, I wrestled like some pretty big names. Like I think, yeah, I wrestled, <laughs> I wrestled Kushida, uh, in England and right. then they're like, oh yeah, you know, you're going to wrestle Kushida. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. You know, wow. whatever. Okay. Like, yeah. I didn't care, mm. you know? So, uh, it was just a bad, just a bad, bad place, you know. Like I think one of the only matches that you know I might be wrong, but I uh, I had the opportunity to wrestle for ROH uh, in Scotland, mm-hmm. uh, and I wrestled Jay Lethal, and I think I was kind of switched on there because I was like, this may lead to something. Yep. So I tried to be as switched on as best as possible, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. That whole time was just just autopilot and I was supposed to be there for like two years but then like my old man was 
kind of having some weird health issues. So I was like, right. oh, you know, I'm still in a bad place. Mm, you know, me old man's at home. <clears throat> Maybe I have to go back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thankfully, you know, he's shit on now. He's sweet. But yep. uh, yeah, I came home and I kind of restarted again. And then I just, I guess I just snapped out of that darkness that I was in. Uh, I started performing good again. I was motivated. I was ready to kill it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like just, I was just I've, like, I've just been super motivated ever since. And like those, those dark times have just taught me and they, they made me stronger. And I grew, I grew from those experiences, you know? Yeah. Like, I remember saying to the boys, like, uh, <laughs> my life now is going to be completely wrestling and living. Mm-hmm. And I say yep. living with the quotation mark thing. Like, I ain't getting a girlfriend or any of that. <laughs> I don't have yep. time for any of that. I'm just going to wrestle. I'm just going to kill it. You know, no, none of this, you know, committing and dating or any of that crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, and then in October, I met this girl that I adore. <laughs> so I have a girlfriend now. <laughs> Man, it's always when you least expect it, right? It's the old saying, when you're not looking for it, it comes looking for you. And, and like, that's how it was. But, yeah, you're right. It's, the, it's when you least expect it. And I was never looking. And then just this, this, this bird just, just popped up, you know. Yep. It, was, it was one of those situations where it was like, this person's been closer in my life than I expected sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, she's not in the business. <laughs> yeah, you're able to put a different spin on it this time, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll never end up with a bird in the business again, no way. Um, so, yeah, I ended up with this cool one. So, she, yeah, she's rad. She's super cool. So I'm motivated. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it's always the perfect time. Uh, it comes into your life when... Yeah, like like we just said, it comes into your life when you're not looking for it. I know for me firsthand, just when I was telling you that story about wanting to take some time away in 2017, quite literally after I did that will he, won't he career on the line match and I was able to save my career and ride off into the sunset for an unknown amount of time, quite literally two months later, I've started dating. During yeah. this time, I'm trying to get my health sorted. But, hey, any positive reinforcement at that time was something that I definitely needed and it definitely helped my life. And just like yourself, wasn't involved in the business. Came to the shows, had her own life going on. But, hell, man, did that help. But I wasn't looking at that point. I wasn't searching. I went, man, priority one, my health. So it seems like a similar thing for you, man. i got to come back. i gotta, I got to reassess. Um so you've come back now, you've done the stint in the UK, you've wrestled some big names, you were in, unfortunately, you were in that place where you just couldn't really absorb it all, but, so you fly home, you, you, you're with family, do you remember what it was, or what happened to hit that reset button from you, to sort of brush those clouds away and go, man, I've just got to, I've got to kick my own ass here, do you remember what it was, was it just coming home and seeing family, did it, did it just sort of disappear over time? Or was there something that happened or a talk either with yourself or with someone to say, hey, you need to start being the loose ledge again? 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, the only people that were like sort of chatting with me during this dark time were mm. my mum. Yeah. Uh, and Matt. Right. Okay. And he'd always hit me up and stuff. But I remember this one time and uh, I was spilling a bunch of nonsense to my mum. Just, just shit you don't want to hear as a mum, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got to the point where she would be in contact with Matt going, we've got to sort this nut case out, you know? <laughs> He's lost the plot. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was, he was, uh, he was at TV. At, he was at 205 and he was hiding up in the balcony, just abusing me. Just like, pull your head in. You know, you've got to pull your head in. I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know why you're letting, or, you know, why your emotions are being like this. You know, you've got to pull your head in. You're wasting years of your life type sort of thing, your, your career. And then I was like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And and then, yeah, and then I just came back home and I was just around people and I was motivated and, you know, I was got my confidence back in the ring and I was like, yeah, you know, and then I just, I don't know. I just, I grew from the experience and snapped out of it. And I was like, why the hell am I acting like this? Why am I letting something so small and silly mm-hmm. affect me so badly? Right. But it just like that situation has now turned into a positive anyway. Yeah. You know? So I think it was just a time thing really. Okay. Yeah. So you just kind of you, you had the support of your the family, you had the support of uh, of Matt, who yeah. has been it was there pretty much since day one for you, not only pro, uh, professionally but it seems like personally. So you come home, you come home to RC Dub, you come home to MC Dub, but shortly thereafter, you are back on the plane again for what I think was the first time you did the Battle of Los Angeles at PWG in Los Angeles, California. At this stage, had you had that conversation with Matt? Were you starting to feel the groove again, or was this still coming out of that dark cloud? I think I was just getting out of that dark cloud. Yeah. Yeah, I was just getting out of it. And then after that, uh, I think things started to uh, pick up again performance wise and, and mentally and, and then, yeah. So finished the year off at MCW and then, um, I knew where we were going and I was pretty motivated for that. Yep. Uh, but then I knew that I had another three months in America coming up. This would have been the longest stint that I did, uh, in America. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, man, I was there for three months and I right. was booked. I was booked every weekend except two, which was fine. I wanted to have at least two weekends off to kind of hang out, you know. Yep. Um, but yeah, like that was that was awesome. That I, I looked at that as like, all right, I need, I need to, I need redemption, and I need to make up for my shitty performances in mm-hmm. England mm-hmm. because I just I wasn't motivated then but I was super motivated and, and ready and stuff uh, when I went to America. So I was just ready to go over there and smash it again. Yeah, so Matt Matt fired you up. The family helped. You started to feel the, the, the drive again. Yeah. You do you do PWG, do the Battle of Los Angeles. 
you come home and this is the first time that I'd seen you in person. We hadn't spoken though. We did the, we did the handshake. We did the, how's it going? But we didn't really know each other like we did at that Venom show. This week you came back from PWG and the very next weekend you had did AWA Sky's the Limit where you versed Jake Nova, Robbie Eagles and Rufio. Oh yeah. And then after that, you went over back to South Australia. Then you were back on home turf again at MCW and you start going around the circuits one more time. At this stage, hitting those local circuits again, touring around Melbourne, touring Hell, even going to New Zealand, getting on a plane again, doing South Australia. Are you starting yeah, yeah. to feel the are you starting to feel the groove now? Are you thinking like, yeah, I'm back on track? You've at this point, I'm assuming the new lady has come into your life. Are you starting to feel like, hey man, yeah, this is this is where I'm at. This is where I need to be. Uh, this was long before the lady. I was I was I was rocking and rolling, man. I was I was I was all good. I was I was in my living phase. The just live it up, not dating, committing any of that crap. I'm just going to wrestle, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so you have a stint around doing the home turfs again. You're starting to feel the drive. You're starting to get motivated. The ledge is back in full form, or at least the clouds are starting to go away, allowing you to perform. Yeah. You go back overseas one more time. This time you're fighting in places like at WrestleCon, at Revolver, The Crash, FSW. Then you finally get to come home. You come home again to MCW. We're now on the 20th of July, 2019, and we start building towards what would eventually become your first reign as MCW champion. On a personal note, how important was this to you, and were you ready at this stage, and what was it like? Knowing that, hey, man, you're going to go into this match and – Look, the odds are we're thinking about putting it on you. Did you know that you were going into this and there may be the chance that, hey, I might be the guy? Or was it a was it a shoot up until pretty much the last moment? Like, tap on the shoulder, hey, dude, by the way, tonight, it's on you. No, I, I knew since, like, the beginning of the year. Oh, okay. So you were made well aware, well in advance. Yeah, and I think that that's what sort of motivated me because that had been a small goal of mine. And they had tried to put that belt on me numerous times, but it just didn't happen or I went overseas and yeah. it just it just didn't happen, whereas this was the right time. And it's funny because, because the booker, he was like, everyone, majority of people that we put this belt on, they end up getting signed and they end up leaving. And he goes, I'm fucking putting this belt on you before someone gets you. <laughs> so then, yeah, they put the belt on me. <laughs> now, tell, tell everyone at home so the guys know, hey, every time I put this belt on someone, someone gets signed. What happened to you after you won this belt? Uh, yeah, I ended up, yeah, I, I ended up getting picked up somewhere. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's just funny. So how long was it after you won your championship did you get, was it a call, was it a text, was it an email? Hey, these guys have come knocking, ROH is at the door. What happens? Um, so I want to say that we'd briefly been in, in contact since maybe October. I remember, 
I remember I wrestled uh, Matt Taven in Mexico, who he was the ROH champ at the time. And we got along well. And I guess we, you know, the small interaction that we had in that match, because it was a multi-man match, I guess we got in well. And as soon as we got through the curtain, he, uh, he sat down and he grabbed his phone and he goes, I've just messaged the bosses at ROH to, to bring you in. I think you should be there. And I was like, holy moly, like, thank wow. you so much. Like, you didn't have yeah. to do that. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, that happened. And then I'd worked with numerous guys in ROH, like Marty, like Brody King, uh, Bandito, Dragon Lee, what? Jay Lethal. So I'd, I'd wrestled with numerous guys from there. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, the Brat Pack Boys, they went and did the UK tour with ROH uh, in, in, in around October. And they were just saying the whole time that, like, majority of the boys are going, man, like, we need to get Brooksy here. Brooksy, you know, should be an ROH. He's he's good and stuff. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, they're actually saying that. That's cool. And then, uh, obviously, Marty took over. And I got an email from them saying, hey, like, we, we, you know, we, we heard that you're going to be back overseas during this time. Uh, we want you for these dates. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, cool. Thank. Yeah, I'd love to. And then they're just like, um, oh, yeah, no, we're going we're gonna to sign you to this. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. It's a big whirlwind. Well, not really. It okay. was kind of just business as usual because – I've had numerous opportunities elsewhere and it hasn't come to fruition. And then finally someone's given me this opportunity and it's like, awesome. Like finally someone's giving me an opportunity, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, cool, sweet. This has happened. Let's take this opportunity and just try run with it as best as I can. So, you know, I've been super motivated to do that, but you know, the world is on pause at the moment. So that doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah. So take me through what happened now, because for those that don't know, and I'm sure by this stage, everyone knows about the current situation in the world today. We're all under quarantine. The quarantine's under effect, trying to conquer this coronavirus, trying to stop the, stop the rise, trying to stop that curve. So you've just been signed They've given you, hey, man, this is we're going to bring you in. This is the details. This is when we're going to we'll fly you in, this, that, the other. Mm-hmm. Then the quarantine hits. Talk me through that stage. What happens then? So it was, I guess it was like a slight blessing in disguise because my visa wasn't ready yet. Okay. And I think because this, 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 this virus was slowly coming in, that it was making the visa process take a little bit longer than we expected. Mm-hmm. So I was supposed to debut March 13th on pay-per-view in Las Vegas against my, my friend Slex, who's also with ROH. Right. Yeah. Uh, visa wasn't ready. So unfortunately, you know, they're like, hopefully, you know, we'll push, we're pushing to get this done by WrestleMania weekend time for Supercarder honor. So I was yep. like, yep. You know, it's out of my control. Do what you got to do. Uh, they changed 
you know, selects his opponent and then uh, as Paul Slexi's in the air flying to the show, these shows get cancelled because of this virus. And he's in midair? He's in midair. Wow. So he lands, obviously looks at his phone, gets all these updates. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah. So <laughs> he has a beer, he has something to eat, and then they put him on a flight straight back home. <laughs> Damn. So the poor dude didn't even get out of the airport. Wow. Landed at a beer, back on a plane, 14 hours back. And then he had to sit in the bloody uh, isolation gimmick for, for the 14 days. Wow, they put him in ISO. Wow. Four- I, I think so. Or, or he may have just missed out on that rule. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so I kind of looked at it as like, oh, well, Visa wasn't ready anyway. And, you know, if I did go over, I would have just been, you know, having a beer with Slex and then flying straight back anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, check out this uh, check out this airport window. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. uh glug 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 glug. All right, on the plane. But like it just sucks because I was just getting all this momentum, MCW belt. I was ready to, you know, ready to kill it with that. And we had some really cool stuff in the works in regards to that. Yeah. Um, my bloody, you know, the RH stuff, like who knows when that's gonna happen again, you know, like we just don't know. And then my girlfriend, she's in a different state. So it's like, man, I can't even see her either. So yeah. it's just, unfortunately, it's just the situation of just just play it by ear. You're like, there's nothing that we can do. But it just sucks because I have no outlet at the moment. Yep. You know, I don't have wrestling. I don't have the gym. Yeah. I can't see the miso. You know, it's just, but, you know, we, you know, we, we look at it as a positive because this wrestling life and my lifestyle is going to be a lot of traveling, a lot of not being able to see her and stuff. And like, she completely understands that. So it's like, eh, you know, yeah, it sucks, but we're just going to get used to it for the future anyway. You know? Yeah. I mean, that, but that is a positive approach to have because you are quite right. You know, once this deal comes into play, once this quarantine effect gets shut down, Hey man, that call's going to come on through, and I can guarantee, mark my words, as soon as quarantine goes down and the world pretty much starts charging those batteries again and people get out there and the world starts seemingly turning with, with, the, with the world, basically with the population becoming active again, I can guarantee that those entertainment shows that have been put on hold, that have been postponed, they are going to be flooded with people coming to be entertained, wanting to get out there, wanting to have a drink, wanting to watch a show. So I can guarantee, man, blessing in disguise, getting that visa ready, getting life on the road ready between you and your lovely lady. But of all things, that show, if it wasn't already, which I can guarantee it probably would have been, but if it wasn't already, packed to the rafters. Yep. Yep. So, I mean... Yeah, I get – this situation is – it's out of our contr- everyone's control. Yeah. Um, I guess we just have to be looking at it as positively as we can, you know. All, all us wrestlers can just rest our – you know, majority of us have got little niggling injuries. You know, I've been working with a, 
a muffed up elbow for like eight months. So it's like, eh, let it heal, I guess. <laughs> Man, again, another blessing in disguise. You can rest up um, and you can get, wait till everything sort of gets sorted. But yeah. Adam, we have gone there and back again. We have gone from the beginning of your career. We've gone through your career. We've talked about what happened to you in your personal life throughout your career from dating in the industry, dating outside the industry and fighting personal demons during what should have been a really positive and fun moment for you. But unfortunately those clouds were following you, but you have good people in your life that helped you get through that. We're talking all the way up to current day, Adam Brooks, the greatest ledge of all time, the gloat. You're assigned a ring of honor. Good things are coming your way, my friend. But, I hope so, man. Thank you. <laughs> guaranteed, man. Guaranteed. But we are now going to commit to one of the segments of my podcast called The Deep Dive. Here, people get to know your psyche. People get to know what you're all about. I'm going to ask you some deep questions, get your perspective, get your answers on it. Hopefully some people, if not already by this stage, can get to know the inner workings of Mr. Adam Brooks. Adam, are you ready? Let's do it, man. All right, Adam, first question. What would you tell yourself now if you were just starting out? Uh, <clears throat> maybe wait till you're 18. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wait till you're 18 and make sure that you are passionate about this and you eat, sleep and breathe this. Yeah. hundred percent. That's, I say that to everyone. You have to eat, sleep and breathe wrestling. That's what Matt, I remember Matt says that he said that to me. If you want to be a wrestler, you have to eat, sleep and breathe this. You have to let this really consume your life. You know, speaking of Matt, speaking of consuming your life, speaking of your life, what is the best advice you have ever received in your life? Like wrestling or life? Whichever field, man. I mean, sure, the wrestling thing, you know, slow this down, pick that up, do this at that point. But in your life, in your personal life outside the ring, what is the best advice you have given? And do you still abide by that advice today? Honestly, I think the it's just you have to try live life to the fullest. Right. Really? Yeah. Like, that's kind of how I've tried to live my life. Like, yeah. I've dedicated pretty much uh, almost half of my life now to wrestling. You know, majority of my friends outside of wrestling, they're married, they got kids, they've got their own house. They're doing the normal life, which is completely fine. I have nothing against that. Mm -hmm. But I've never wanted that. I've always wanted something different and I've always wanted like a life that I can look back on and be like, you know what? Yeah. Like I gave it my all. I lived it to the fullest. Uh, so yeah, I, I think just, you've got to just try live your life to the yeah. fullest. Like I have an hourglass tattooed on me cause you never know when this shit's going to be up. So just live it, you know? Yeah. I, oh. I, I think that's the best way to sort of look at, stuff man it, it, and with that approach it, it makes you appreciate all the little things in life too it, things that may be so minuscule and very mundane to 
you know, people that are living that normal lifestyle that you referenced, people like yourself that are going out there, putting their body on the line, but absolutely embracing every little thing in their life can sometimes pick up those little mundane things and appreciate them that much more. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now, you may have touched on this earlier, but I'm going to ask you again, just in case we haven't touched on it yet, and it's something that you haven't spoken about. Adam, was there ever a turning point in your life? And if so, how did it affect you? And how did you overcome it? Um, I guess the turn, honestly, as you know, as cheesy and as lame as this is, I, I, I'd have to say it would be meeting Matt. Right. Like, yep. He, he's honestly like the big brother that I never had. Yeah. Like if it wasn't, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have achieved or lived this lifestyle or this wrestling life. Like I may have just, you know, oh yeah, I'm a wrestler. I wrestle in Australia on the weekend, you know, like, yeah, cool. Whereas, sure. you know, he, he's pushed me. It's like, he, he's over there in WWE, right. Sure. Where am I going to go? Yeah. You know? And it's like, there's a slight, there's a slight part of me where it's like, geez, this guy, he's in WWE. He trained this kid, right. Where's this kid going to end up? You know, is this kid that he trained going to end up anywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's kind of like a responsibility sort of thing. Yeah. As, I don't know. That seems a bit, it sounds a bit lame, but. No, no, I completely understand it, man. I'm sure a lot of people out there would feel and appreciate and understand that aspect as well. But for you, Knowing that your friend has been signed, knowing that you yourself have now been signed. Adam, looking back on your life, looking back at the wrestling career, how do you personally, how do you define success? I think success is, you can look at, at success in so many different ways. Yeah. Like, is this person successful because they have millions of dollars? Or... Mm -hmm is this person successful because they're able to put a roof over their family's head? I think if you're, if you're happy with your life, you're successful. I, like I think that. that's probably the best way to look at shit because mm. I'm not no millionaire. Um, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not putting a roof over a family's head, you know, yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people may think, that I'm successful because, you know, I've done some stuff within wrestling, but I think, I think, you know, if you're happy, I guess you're successful. If you're living a happy life, you're being successful. Mm. That's, I think that, I think that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense to me, man. I'm sure there's a lot yeah. of people out there that look up to you, aspire to be like you and have enjoyed watching you would hear that and go, yeah. Man, I, I completely agree. Okay, cool. Well, then, yeah, that's that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Lock it in. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of friends and family, do you have family, either close or distant, and friends? Do they understand what you're doing for a living? And if they don't, do you even bother to try and explain it anymore? Because I'm sure you would have got the question if you said, so Adam, what are you doing lately? Oh, yeah, I just got back from wrestling overseas. Oh, wrestling. And I can guarantee you one of the first questions out of their mouth, oh, is, is that stuff real? Um, yeah. <laughs> all, like all my friends and family, they, they completely understand it. It's more so like random people that you might yeah. bump into. 
Okay. Like, I think I think the worst part is uh, you know, if if you if you travel interstate with and you and you hold a championship and then you have to take the championship through the little security gimmick. <laughs> and yeah. then they then they then they see the belt and they're like, "Oh, what's this for? Boxing?" And you're like, "Nah, pro wrestling." And then they're like, you know, "Oh, like like this or like that." And you're like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, like like that." You know, <laughs> I try to just downplay it as much as possible because I don't want to get into that whole convo. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know? Yeah, man. No, I completely I completely understand, man. Like I remember recently in Adelaide, they're like, "Oh, um, I was checking into the hotel, and they're like, oh, you know, oh, it's a short trip. What are you here for?'" And I was like, "Oh, um, work." <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh, yeah, cool. Like, what do you do for work?" Mm. And I go, "Oh, uh, I perform." But then I was like, "Shit, I sound like a stripper," you know. Yeah. <laughs> So I was ah professional wrestling, and thankfully he didn't do the whole. Oh, what's that? Is it this? Is it that? So yeah, yeah. No, he he probably uh he probably thought that the professional wrestling was a cover. He probably thought you were a stripper. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take that. <laughs> All right, this is the part of the podcast now which I like to call the Lipton Six. This is in tribute of James Lipton, who sadly we lost earlier this year in March, twenty twenty. He was an American writer, lyricist, actor, and the dean of the Actors Studio Drama School at Pace University in New York City, where he hosted and ran his TV show Inside the Actors Studio from 1994 to 2018. So in honor and tribute of him, I'm going to ask you his famous six questions that he would ask all his guests before wrapping up his interview. So are you ready for the Lipton Six? Let's do it, man. All right, Adam, first one off the rank. What is your favorite word? Flog. <laughs> All right. I was going to say another four-letter word, but I was like, oh, I better not. <laughs> yeah. Frog. Um, Adam, what turns you on? Donuts. Fair enough. If you see this man near a Dunkin' Donuts or a Krispy Kreme, run for your life. I'm getting a donut tattooed on me when this bloody quarantine shit ends. <laughs> I think it'd right. be fun. All right, donuts, it is. Adam, what sound or noise do you love? It's annoying, but it's cute when I wake up to my dog scratching on my door wanting to come in. Man, yeah. It's pretty it's, – that's, that's all I can think of at the top of my head. Because it's happened three bloody mornings in a row, but as annoying as it is that I have to get up to let him in, it's uh, it's, it's pretty cute. Man, that that hit the heartstrings. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, for sure. Adam, we touched on it before. What is your favorite curse word? Oh, the c word, I suppose. Right. <laughs> what profession? Other than your own, would you like to attempt? Stuntman. Yeah? Before wrestling, there was that whole little jackass phase, and me and my friends, we made our own little movie like that, and then we we invited friends and family to this big premiere party. So a, a side <laughs> of me is like, you know, after wrestling, I'd like to do that, but like in maybe in like movies because I think I think those jackass-type things will be well and truly – Past its time by then. 
And the old do not try to sit at home did not apply to Mr. Adam Brooks. <laughs> no, not with wrestling either. <laughs> no, it was when can I try this at home? Yeah, but I don't know. I think a stuntman would be cool. But Adam, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? What's going on, you flog? Welcome in. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, very down to earth with the gloat. All right. Adam, we've been talking. We've been learning all about you. We've shared our history together. As we hit the nitrous, as we hit that aim towards that finish line, we hit this throttle Vin Diesel style towards the end of this podcast. Adam, I'm going to hit you with what I like to call the final four. These are the final four questions of this podcast. All right. Adam. Are you ready for these final four? Absolutely. All right, my friend. Was there ever a point where you thought, hey, this isn't going to work? With wrestling? Just if there ever was a point in your life where you just took a moment and you said, man, I don't know if what I'm doing in my life or with this show or getting in a car or if there ever was a situation where you just really felt like, man, I'm really uncertain. I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. It was during me and my friend's little jackass phase. And uh, <laughs> my friend, he, we, we, we snuck into one of the local high schools and uh, we were going to film him jumping from one roof to the other. And there was, oh, like wow. this, there was like this gap. And if he fell, he would have really, you know, stuffed himself up. And I think that was <laughs> one of the first times where I was like, this ain't going to work. I'm not filming this. Yep. I don't even want to see it. I handed the camera to my friend. I said, dude, you deal with this. Let me know when he's safe. And I walked away. And he cleared it easy. Like, we have this sick photo of him in midair in between the two buildings. Wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was that was one of them. But there's been numerous situations, you know, yeah. in, in regards to my life. But that's probably the coolest story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, that one sticks out. Have you ever stopped and thought, man... How the hell did I get here? Yeah, yeah. Probably every everyday life, man. Yeah. Was it a, was it a good how the hell, or was it a like, hey, I got to get the hell out of here kind of vibe? <laughs> it was a, uh, I have to get rid of this person somehow situation. Right. But I Say didn't no. Put myself in that position. Right. Say no more. Leave it open to interpretation. <laughs> what is your proudest moment or achievement? I want to say the respect that I've, I think that I've earned with my body of work yep. over the years in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like people can, you know, I'd, I'd assume some or majority would sit, sit here and go, Oh, it's signing a contract, you know, with a company. And yeah, that's really cool and stuff. But I think, earning respect of your peers and stuff is, is, is a lot bigger because there's dudes here, man, that they haven't been signed and I respect their work so much. And I think that they should be on bigger platforms and stuff. Yep. So I guess just, you know, earning the respect of people and, you know, having younger kids in the wrestling business look up to you and stuff. Like it's crazy. It's so crazy when, young kids come up to me and they're all like timid and shy to say hello. And mm-hmm. then like, I get it. Cause I was one of those kids, but like, it's just, it throws me off. You know, when they're all shy and timid, I'll try to be all loud and yo, what's going on, man. Like to kind of put them at ease a bit, you know? Sure. Yeah. 
just to be like, yeah, like I'm just Adam. I'm just a normal dude. I wrestle too, man. Like what's going on? You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly, man. But yeah, I pro- probably my body of work, I guess. Now, speaking of young kids, take going back to when you were 15, 16, doing those bumps, practicing, spending that year at that training facility. Did you ever think at that age, did you ever think that this is where you would be now? No. Cool. Thanks. Because... See ya. <laughs> <laughs> no, because at that time, nobody like in Australia were, you know, working on an international level. Yeah. So it was just like, I love this. I'd like to do this. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then um, just seeing more people and trying to live up to the, you know, the dude that trained me and not wanting to let him down and all of that. It's like, okay, he's there. Oh, look, this person's going there or this person's going there. Okay. I want to do a similar path, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's when I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I can get somewhere with this. Right. Yeah, man. No, I, I totally appreciate and I respect the, your honest answer right there, man. But as we ride up into the sunset, ledge as we hit that gas tell the people where they can find you where they can hit you up where they can get themselves some adam brooks merchandise tell the people what you're going on how they can get in contact with you uh so i'm on twitter and instagram uh at the adam brooksy i got the facebook page it's slash brooksy brand um i have a pro wrestling tea store just search adam brooks there's a uh, a wrestler merch store they're mm-hmm. based out in Sydney. They're a cool little crew. They're like their own. They're like an Australian pro wrestling tees. It's very, it's very smart because the pro wrestling tees shipping costs are obviously a lot crazier than within Australia. So, um, I'm on I'm on wrestler merch. Just search Adam Brooks, and then I have my own store. It's brooksymerch.bigcartel.com, and everything on there is only five dollars until this virus fucks off. Yeah, and especially during this time, if you don't have any Adam Brooks merch or if you don't have any of the wrestlers on the independent scene, you need to support your local artists, support your local performers as best you can during this time because I know we're all doing it tough, but, man, this man himself makes a living out there performing for you, cannot be doing that right now. All times are tough for everybody, but make sure that you find some way, shape, or form to keep those local artists thriving. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate it. Everyone that buys merch, like, honestly, it it, uh, it means the world to me. It, today when my phone went off, when I, I someone bought some merch, I was like, oh, beauty. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was on the phone. I was actually on the phone to Matt, and then uh, I got the notification, and I'm like, oh. And he goes, oh, what, what? I'm like, oh, I just sold some merch, bro. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. he don't care because he don't get none of that we heard it here first ladies and gentlemen each time you click that buy now option that payment goes through you are sending a beauty to adam wherever he may be around the world yeah for the notification (laughs) there you go you want you want to pop adam brooks hit that buy now button adam (laughs) the greatest ledge of all time you're an absolute legend not only in this business, but you're a legend to, for coming on this podcast for me, for doing me an absolute favor. You're a legend because not only are you a nice dude in and outside the ring, you have been completely supportive of guys coming up in the scene, myself included. 
You are one of the most humble yet respected people in this business. I'm happy to call you a friend. I'm happy to call you a brother. And hell, I'm even happy to call you a loose ledge. Adam Brooks, thank you so much for sharing your journey with me here on Little Man Big Conversations. And hopefully one day soon, once it's all, all over and said and done with, I won't get you an Uber and I'll definitely won't make sure there's any floozies around. But man, we'll do a show. We'll have a drink. And I can't wait to see you again, man. I can't wait to take a photo with you and celebrate for this thing to be over. Adam, thank you so much for spending your time here with me today. Nah, thank you so much, man. Geez, you gave me a good intro and you're giving me a bloody ripper outro. So (laughs) I appreciate that, dude. Full circle moment, man. Storytelling. (laughs) (laughs) No, dude, I appreciate it. It was good to talk to you. Um, And I'm excited to see you and just, just get past this mess that we're all going through, man. So... Thanks for having me, brother. I'll speak to you soon. All right, you guys, there you have it. The complete conversation with Adam Brooks. I want to thank Adam again for coming on board the podcast. He's helped me out immensely. He was one of the first calves off the rank to put his hand up and say, hey, man, saw you doing a podcast. Get me on. So thank you again, Mr. Brooks. Thank you again, too, to all you loyal listeners. If you haven't done so already, please follow the podcast at LNBC Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter at LMBC underscore podcast. Thanks for listening, guys, and I'll see you next week.